Welcome to Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies and TV shows. That we do. That we do. This week we are taking a detour from our usual cinematic adventures and we are discussing a television show. Again. Again. <laughs> yes, uh, back in season two of Shoot the Flick, we had an episode fully dedicated to season one of Avatar The Last Airbender because I had never seen it. Yes, and now you have seen not only season one, but season two. <gasps> that is correct, Scott. I have now seen season two or rather book two of Avatar The Last Airbender from 2006. And it's still pretty damn good. It was good. (laughs) Now, opening question. Yes. What did you prefer, season one or season two? Well, it's funny because season one, if you remember in our episode, if you haven't listened to it, please go back and peruse before you listen to this one so you can catch up on our thoughts and feelings about it. But... I made a lot of comparisons to the Harry Potter series in season one. However, in this season, I made less Harry Potter references and I made more Star Wars references, which is kind of interesting. I think season one was very much like A New Hope, where you're like introducing the world and the characters and things. And we're having a grand old time until like, you know, the end when... The bad guys try to kill the moon, but I digress. This season was less about introducing shit and really just like getting down into the nitty gritty of things, which I enjoyed. I like them both for different reasons. However, I feel like the level of Sokka's humor has increased tenfold and that I enjoy. (laughs) Well, yes. So this does play a little more into the Star Wars tropes with everybody, actually, but I also feel like season two, we get to expand and also go into the nuances of certain characters, certain things, and have a little more fun and be more creative with what we've started. So before we get into the nitty gritty of Avatar The Last Airbender season two, I just want to get through some preliminary fun facts as I tend to do. Avatar The Last Airbender is currently the number 10 television show rated on IMDb. There is currently a live-action Netflix series in the works. And the original cartoon series was created by Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konetsko, who we talked about in our previous episode. On that note, DiMartino and Konetsko have left the Netflix series, so they're not... Oh, they did? Yeah, they're not involved with it. Because there was a Ooh. there was disagreements with it. Ooh, creative differences. We love that. <laughs> but in the same breath, they have also created Avatar Studios. So I think they are expanding this world even more to continue with. Hmm. But they're going to have like the Shyamalan movie, the Netflix series as a standalone. Like, okay, it's there, but it's not right. connected to the world. Right. Okay. That's cool. Michael Dante DiMartino did direct the finale episode of this season. We're going to talk about the finale. <laughs> and um, he and Brian Kanetsko also wrote uh, a handful of episodes. So I, I'm excited to talk about it. And just as a, a more official answer to your which season did I prefer question, generally speaking i guess season two would be considered better because the average rating of the episodes according to imdb comes out to 8.76 out of 10 stars while season one is 8.36 so it's just a little better perhaps by a hair they're close they're close and i'm kind of bummed that i can't make as many harry potter references because i feel like you fought me on everyone last time and i enjoy arguing with you but i don't know i don't think we're gonna argue that much this this time no it makes me sad it's okay it happens what spice will be brought into our marriage without pointless arguments about cartoons (laughs) it's how it goes sometimes it is how it goes sometimes 
Now, uh, the first thing I want to mention as we get into the nitty-gritty is that when I watched the first five episodes of this season, I was gravely concerned because I was gravely bored <laughs> for the first five episodes. I was like, why is nothing happening? <laughs> well, okay. I think I actually have an answer for you there. It's a little slower to start. If you think about the end of season one, you have the giant fight at the North Pole. And you have this big, huge moment. Sokka is actually, like, the first three episodes not doing a whole lot. He's kind of depressed. Yeah. Because UA is now dead and is the moon. Right. Yeah, don't you hate it when your girlfriend becomes the moon? That will come up later. <laughs> He's feeling it. He's actually, a, like, kind of a real person in the early goings of the show. Like Right. Like, he still throws a couple barbs here or there, but you could tell he's a lot more... Reserved. Reserved. Less Sokka-like than he yeah. is in the beginning. I was bummed about that. I actually made a list of the important things that were learned and, like, that came up in the first five episodes just to, like, barrel through them very quickly. Because of those first five episodes, one of them is the lowest rated of the whole season. That's how, like, rough it was, these first five episodes... The lowest rated one was the episode called Avatar Day. Yeah. It's, and even that one, it's it's 7.5 stars out of 10. So it's not like bad or anything. It's just boring. Like I couldn't tell you what happened even in that episode. It's they go to a place and there's a holiday and they think it's to celebrate the Avatar, but really they're just burning the Avatars in effigy. And it's like, oh, <laughs> that's a problem. That's the episode. And <laughs> um, it's weird because literally it's that episode, then two of the highest rated episodes, because right after that you meet the new character this season that is fucking awesome that we're going to get to. And then the episode after that is literally one of the highest rated episodes of the whole season. So we're, we're going to talk about the good stuff in a minute but first i feel like we need to set the stage and just give everyone some preliminary information that we learned in the first five episodes that is actually of import so we don't have to talk about them too much yes we uh meet our new villainous yes that was number one on my list thing that we learned we meet zuko's sister azula and i just wrote princess azula equals bitch in all caps <laughs> <laughs> the way she talks to Zuko, she twists his mind and stuff. Throughout the season, you can tell. She's also a hyper-perfectionist. Like, if something is even slightly wrong, she loses her shit. So, uh, let's see. Number two on my list. Aang needs to learn to control Avatar State. That is established pretty early on because I think a couple of times he gets pissed off and goes into the Avatar state and turns basically into like an atomic bomb <laughs> and like has to be calmed down by mostly Katara, I think. Because that's that leads to number three on my list. Aang hearts Katara. And in parentheses, I put cute middle school giggles. <laughs> because that's basically their relationship throughout the majority of the season. <laughs> and I, I guess it comes to a penultimate head at the end of the season but we will get there because that's when the show gets good so <laughs> number four on my list ostrich horses exist that's not really an important uh detail necessarily for plot elements it's just a detail that i feel is necessary because not only am i scared of birds so the thought of an ostrich horse terrifies me but just like the animal hybrids that were introduced in this season made me both terrified and happy they introduce like turtle ducks and cow pigs and like i did like how they expanded that animal kingdom in this universe however at the end of the season you get introduced to a bear and it's just a bear and they literally bring it up like multiple times you're like is it like a bear or pony is it a bear or leopard like what is it is like guitar is like no it's just a bear and then uh, one of the other characters goes this place is weird <laughs> like yeah okay <laughs> the next one is zuko and iroh cut their hair and in a lot of media whether it be books movies television uh, a lot of times cutting your hair means kind of like a rebirth, a new beginning of sorts. So I was very excited because I'm like, yay, Zuko's going to go through a transformation well, this season. Mm. Fuck. 
fuck that thought. Fuck it. <laughs> well, okay. Fuck. Also, cut because this is very heavily inspired by Asian culture. Uh, cutting your top knot means also giving away your privilege, your oh, station. Oh, right. Well, yeah, I took that as like the literal meaning that he was kind of like trying to distance himself from the Fire Nation because he's on the run. But I kind of also, I guess that we're on the same page as far as like the symbolic yeah. potential meaning. So I thought that was important to mention. And last but not least, my final tick of important things to remember from episodes one through five. Secret tunnel. Secret tunnel. Secret tunnel. Secret tunnel. Through the mountain. Secret, 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 secret tunnel. Yeah. Secret tunnel. Literally, I watched the first episode. The secret tunnel song comes up, I believe, in the second episode. I watched the first episode like, okay, that was fine, whatever. And then the second episode, that happened. And I'm like, um... Okay, <laughs> this is all light stuff. Like, when are we going to get to actual things happening? But then the secret tunnel song happened, and I wasn't mad anymore about that. So um, that is my summation of the first five episodes. All in all, very uneventful. There's just a, a couple of small things we need to recognize that are important, and then we can forget they exist. Well, okay. I sure did. Well, we see lightning bending for the first time, which is just, it's just really cool. The firebenders can bend lightning. Not all of them. I mean, really, Not- Azula's... The- and Iroh can do it, right? Iroh can do it, too. That's it. Yeah. Uh, did you know Azula also voices Daphne in, like, a yes. bunch of Scooby-Doo stuff? Oh, yes. I did know that. I forgot to mention that. So, um, we have our, our normal cast that is all the same, but we do get introduced to Azula this season for the first time. She is voiced by Gray Griffin, who voices Daphne Blake in a lot of Scooby stuff as of late. She apparently, in the early writing stages, that character of Azula was thought to have possibly been a boy but they decided no let's make this villain a badass bitch and i respect that well we get two badass bitches in this we do <laughs> bitch we do um and that leads us to episode six where the fucking season really gets going so in episode six we meet our new uh brand spanking major character and her name is toff she is a 12-year-old blind girl who is the best earthbender in all the land ever. And, like, yeah, bitch, I concur. <laughs> yeah, Toph was initially, they thought of her as a guy, too. And then they were like, no, we're going to make her a girl. Yeah, they were going to make her a 16-year-old boy and basically, like, a foil for Sokka. Which, I mean, Toph still kind of is a foil for Sokka, even though she's a 12-year-old girl, which is kind of funny. Well, they left all her personality the same, really. Yeah. We just kept her a girl. Yeah. She's born into a rich family who tries to hide her existence because she's blind, but she is secretly the Earth Rumble champion yeah, of the world. Yeah, she secretly is, like, in the MMA fighting version of bending or whatever, and she, like, beats the holy shit out of Mick Foley in this episode. Yes, Mick Foley fucking voices a character in this episode as basically a, a grown-ass man who fights this 12-year-old blind girl and gets his ass beat, and it's hilarious because he's basically doing an impression of The Rock. The Boulder. <laughs> his character is named The Boulder. The Boulder feels conflicted about fighting a young blind girl. Sounds to me like you're scared, Boulder. The Boulder's over his conflicted feelings, and now he's ready to bury you in a rock For all you wrestling fans out there, you know the rock and sock connection was a the thing. They were a tag team. It's fun. It's, it's a good little Easter egg nod. But yeah, Mick Foley's very funny in this episode. But yeah, it was a really great episode. I was like, yay, things are happening. Aang goes to Toph and he's like, please teach me the ways of earthbending. I need to learn from the master. And she's like, you know, hesitant at first, like, bitch, I don't, I don't know you. But then after a while, he's like, okay, listen, I can get you out of this fucking prison that you're in, basically. And we can go on an adventure. And she's like, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, she basically... Like, she sneaks away to go with the Avatar, and the father, like, bring her back. Here's a bounty on the Avatar's head for bringing my daughter home. But Toph is, like, a legit amazing character. 
she is such a little fucking badass but like what i love about all the characters really in avatar as far as the kid characters like they're all little badasses in their own right but they also treat them as kids like they write these people as kids they don't forget that these are like 12 to 15 16 year old children which i appreciate but just a couple of highlights of toff's awesomeness and I'm, I'm gonna leave out the most badass one because it's at the end of the season so highlight number one she calls katara sugar queen on multiple occasions <laughs> which oh. makes me laugh so much oh, calling her sugar queen and calling ang twinkle toes yes <laughs> it's funny because she treats them like that but she does treat Sokka slightly differently because they're both like they're both cut from the same cloth in the way that like they're both sarcastic as fuck and they like give as good as they get as far as like verbal jabs at each other so I feel like that's cool that they kept that from the original thought of the character when she was supposed to be a boy but uh she also constantly makes blind jokes at her own expense (laughs) which makes me laugh like literally at one point they're all flying on Appa and they're looking for something in this desert right and she <laughs> top on Appa just goes, there it is, and points out in the distance. And they all turn and look like, oh, and there's nothing. And she's like, that's what it would sound like if you did find it. And then she like does the John Cena like invisible hand thing in front of her face. And I'm like, so I'm like oh yeah, she's blind. Well, yeah, because the thing is about Toph. So yeah, she is blind. She's an earthbender. Uh, earthbenders, we realized through this season, is none of them wear shoes because they use their feet to bend tough has like kind of like a sonar through the earth that's how she sees things but yeah she does make these blind jokes constantly and it's always hilarious because as you're watching it you forget tough is blind half the time you do because she's very competent she's more competent than most of the grown-ass people on the show she also has a singer to Saka at one point where she goes okay there's three Three of us versus three of them. And Katara goes, there's four of us. Oh, well, I was, wasn't counting Sokka. He can't do anything. And Sokka's <laughs> like, I can fight. Like, so mad. But uh, the last little uh, top highlight I wanted to mention that she is literally a human lie detector, we find out. Yeah, she her sonar is basically so good that she can sense when people are lying because their heart rate increases. Yeah. Which is like such a useful fucking skill to have, especially in this situation where grown ass adults think they can lie to these kids and like they'll just be like, okay. <laughs> exactly. Like, bitch, we're not stupid. Uh, so, that episode where Toph is introduced is one of the highest rated episodes of the season, which is, again, really funny that it goes from like literally the worst to one of the best to one of the absolute best, which is episode seven Zuko Alone. Okay, Zuko alone is kind of inspired by, like, the Ronin samurai kind of thing. Because, okay, during this whole thing, Zuko has left Iroh and decided to try and find himself in the countryside. So he gets into this small town where he's accosted by bad Earth Kingdom people. Because you learn that not everybody, even on the good side of the war, is necessarily good. I just thought of another Star Wars comparison, pretty like generalized, but could you make the comparison between Zuko and Kylo Ren? Oh, easily. That's right. that's an easy one. Zuko is basically the Kylo Ren, aka the Draco Malfoy of Avatar. Zuko is very much straddling a line. Right. And he doesn't know where he wants to go because he has been brainwashed for so long that the Fire Nation is the best thing in the world and his father is the greatest person ever and he needs to get the Avatar and that's all he's been for 14 years of his life, 15 years of his life. I will say though, like I was impressed with how they handled Zuko's character this season and it starts with this episode, which by the way, has a 9.6 stars out of 10 and the only other episode in the season that is rated that high is the finale so that shows like how great this is for the show and Zuko's character like it's the shit and his metamorphosis throughout the season I thought genuinely when it started that by the end of the season he was going to be on the good side and he was going to make the full transition spoiler alert he fucking doesn't but you really sense that pull between 
the dark side and the light side to bring it back to Star Wars. But when we were talking about it, you brought up the brainwashing element for reasons that we'll get to later. But it didn't click to me at that time because we've only really seen Zuko alone with Iroh on this like journey to find the Avatar and then he gets exiled and all this shit. So we don't really know how he grew up, which is why this episode is great because we get a good slice of life as what his childhood was like. I made a prediction, I think around this time um, when they introduced Zuko's mom into the picture that uh, I I'm guessing is correct. I think Scott, you told me that I was correct. So essentially what happens is Zuko ends up at some earth kingdom village or whatever. And he meets this little boy and he defends the little boy from like these fucking asshole soldiers that are defending the city, whatever. And he bonds with this kid. And then he ends up later on fighting with the, soldier guys and he uses his fire powers and then everyone finds out he's fire nation and everybody hates him and then he moves along and it's just kind of but in throughout all that you also learn about his backstory with fire lord ozai and his mother particularly and essentially find out that in order to stop uh ozai from hurting zuko killing zuko killing zuko the mom sacrifices herself And you're led to believe that she's dead, but I brought up, like, I don't remember when I actually asked you the question, but I asked you, like, she's not dead, is she? And you just turned around, like, no. I was like, ah, are we going to see her this season? And he's like, no. I'm like, fuck. (laughs) Well, she has such a crazy backstory. Like, she's Avatar Roku's daughter. Oh, oh. And it's similar to Kylo Ren in that way, where, like, the father... I mean, obviously Kylo Ren was cut off from Han Solo in a different way <laughs> because, you know, he went and killed him. But <laughs> but he has a very special connection with his mother. Yeah. And despite the fact that Kylo Ren has done all these bad things, like Leia still holds out hope for Kylo. And throughout Zuko's childhood, his mother, even though he was behind on firebending skills yes as opposed to azula who's like a fucking dynamo at it she still loves zuko and and believes in him and actually looks at azula like what the fuck is wrong with this devil child that i have spawned (laughs) well it's it's funny because ozai is very much like azula like he is just as evil as she is but yeah it's like after his mother goes away he loses that love right but then he does kind of get it back with iroh he does. But um, there's a specific point where Iroh, after he and Zuko get their ass beat by Azula, he's like, listen, I'm going to teach you how to do force lightning. <laughs> I'm going to teach you how to be Emperor Palpatine and pew, pew, pew the lightning. And <laughs> Iroh basically says, I'm not going to teach you how to like bring it out from within you, but I'm going to teach you how to, if if you take it again, if you get hit with the lightning again, to basically deflect it and push it back out. After he like teaches him the move or whatever, Zuko's like, okay, now uncle hit me with lightning so I can practice it. And he's like, uh, no, you fucking idiot. I'm not going to hit my nephew with lightning. And he literally makes a point of like, he basically looks at the camera and says, I hope you will never have to even use this gift that I have taught you today. Never, ever in life. Hopefully you will never use this ever in life. Ever, 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 ever. And I look at Scott, I'm like, so he's going to use it at some point. (laughs) Well, you got to figure when his sister can literally bend lightning and create lightning at will, he's going to have to use it at some point. Hey guys, quick break from the main show. We just wanted to take a minute to show you all some kick-ass podcasts that Scott and I really enjoy. Check them out now. Welcome to Geek Exploration, the podcast. I'm John Williams. And I'm Ben Robinson. Do you like time travel? Movies? Video games? Comics? Sci-fi? Cartoons? Or how about action figures? Well, so do we. Every episode, we pick a topic from the geekosphere and have a little chat about it. So if you've been waiting for a groundbreaking podcast that does all of this and more, you might have what it takes to be a Geek Explorer. Come join us every other Tuesday for a fresh installment of Geek Exploration, the podcast. You can find us at geeksplorationpodcast.com or any reputable podcatcher likely a few unreputable ones. 
It's time to feel the rage. Join us on Film Rage, where we talk movies, current releases, coming attractions, streaming, and classic films as well. Directors and actors, beware as you cannot hide from the rage. My name is Bryce, and I'm part of the Film Rage crew, which also includes Jim. Hey, hey. And Murray. Yo. Why is it you always talk? All the time. I can't understand I why. This, this, voice is, this is the Merman, the voice of reason. These two can't agree on anything most of the time. Some movies are Mondo. Some are just Every week, something is going to make us rage. Join us every Wednesday and feel the rage. There is also another thing we do have to talk about with Iro since you brought them up. This is, unfortunately, Mako's last season voicing Iro. Yes, unfortunately... After production for season two was complete, Mako passed away from throat cancer. Actually, in episode 15, which is Tales of Ba Sing Se, which I had mixed feelings about. We can talk about that right now if you want. Yeah, sure. Why not? In that episode, they did have a dedication to Mako. And I thought it was really sad to hear that. Yeah, in the Tales of Bossing Say episode, I know you had mixed feelings about it. It's basically a bottle episode, so it's not well, really spoiling anything for the plot, essentially. Well, because the episode before the Bossing Say episode is a really heavy episode. It's very heavy, and we're going to talk about it because I had very strong emotional, negative emotional reactions. It was a great episode, but like, I was frightened, I was perturbed, and I was scurred. But then right after that, we go into this episode, Tales of Bossing Say, and I've heard stories about this episode. That it's like the best episode in the live long day. Well, and I disagree well, no. <laughs> because it's just nothing happening for 20 minutes and then one little vignette of Iroh and it makes you cry. And that's the end of it. Well, uh, okay. Iroh's is really sad. I also think Momo's is also very sad. Uh, yeah, the episode is essentially Team Avatar as well as Iroh and Zuko. They're all in this town called Ba Sing Se for reasons that we'll get to, but it's just like a slice of life thing while these people are living in this little town. There's what? one where fucking Katara and Toph go to the spa together and Aang is like working at the town zoo and I'm like, what is this? Okay. Sokka gets his dick wet with a bunch of poetry girls. It's like, okay, I'm bored. Well, okay. A, it's meant to be slightly a character episode. It's also meant because of what happens in the episode before this. They're kind of stuck in Bossing Say. Right, I get that, but like literally the episode before that ends on like the biggest what the f like I was screaming at the television out of fear. I was like, oh my god, ah, screaming. And then it just goes to Middle Town, it's a quiet village. Every day, like the one before. Excuse me? If you don't realize what just happened? What are you guys doing? Yeah, I know it does come out, but it's meant to be like slight character development. We don't get any development with Aang or Sokka or Katara or Toph, who are like arguably the main, main characters. We don't get any development with them. Oh, we learned that Sokka likes to flirt with girls. Did we not know that already? <laughs> His girlfriend was the moon. We also understand <laughs> that, you know, by this point we understand that Aang likes the Aminals, especially because Appa is missing at this point. We'll get to that, but Appa is missing, so he wants to, you know, feel closeness with the Aminals. The best segment by far is Iroh's segment, where we know from previously that during the war of Ba Sing Se, or the battle of Ba Sing Se, I should say, his son passed away in the battle, and it really fucked Iroh up, obviously, and, you know, he's been struggling with his grief for a long time, and it's his son's birthday. And he starts off very jovial and happy like his normal Iroh self. You get to the end, and he's kneeling at his son's makeshift memorial that he made for his son, and you realize that everything that happened before at hand in that episode was kind of covering for this deep sadness underneath it all. Well, it's not only that. It's also, I, I, I don't know if you caught it, it's the stages of his son's life. He initially picks up a picnic basket that what Iroh and Iroh's wife met. They had went on their first date, the romantic date. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. And then yes. he meets some kids, and that's when his son would be young. You know, he sings... Yeah. He sings a song which is fucking heartbreaking yeah he sings a song to this little kid to cheer him up because he's like crying and 
it cheers him up and they have like it's like a cute moment and then at the end when he's by his son's memorial he sings that same song and he's crying and it's it's genuinely heartbreaking which i think you know despite the fact that it's a sad moment for iroh it's also a really beautiful tribute to mako because it just shows what an amazing actor he is to be able to evoke such emotion in a cartoon character just by using your voice is a beautiful thing so i think that that's an amazing tribute that they gave to him but yeah overall the bossing say episode if it weren't for that portion would be kind of just like a bottle episode well there's that and then there's momo's one which is i also think very kind of sad because momo's sad. missing appa yeah and then ends up in appa's footprint at the end showing that appa is in the city somewhere um let's talk about that so the disappearance of appa is a, a big point of contention this season. Team Avatar is in the desert looking for the secret library with all these hidden nuggets of information. And that this is a big turning point in the season because they find out that the Fire Nation is vulnerable during the solar eclipse because, you know, fire. During that whole sequence, Appa gets kidnapped by Tusken Raiders. And <laughs> they are basically Tusken Raiders. They're people of the sand. And he's gone for, like, pretty much a big chunk of the rest of the season until, like, towards the very end. And the episode after Tales of Ba Sing Se is called Appa's Lost Days. And we find out what's been going on with Appa this whole time. Actually, this particular episode won a Humane Society Award for its portrayal of animal mistreatment. We see Appa being muzzled and tranked and thrown in a cage and threatened and poked and prodded and it's just horrible to watch and i just think it's cool that like a cartoon episode of a kid's show won a humane society award i just find that cool yeah we also get a little more for Sokka here when we re-see suki kasuki comes suki! back Sokka's been coming back and starting to be himself again, but like after Suki shows up, he kind of really turns it back on. Yeah, because he's clearly into Suki, but he's kind of gun shy because of UA and everything that happened there. But then by the end of the episode, when she comes back, he kind of realizes like he's being stupid and like he, he just kisses her and it's really sweet. So before we get into like the last maybe like third of the season, which is like all of the big stuff that leads to the finale, I, I want to talk about my boy Saka because I love him so. And uh, he provided a lot of yucks this season. Uh, I feel like he had like less zingers this season, but like more just humor of the fact that Saka is Saka, if that makes sense. Well, the tribe. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, again, again, again. Okay, let's get it together. So, some of my favorite lines from Sokka include, <clears throat> if I get out of this, I'll give up on meat and sarcasm. My whole identity. <laughs> I'm like, me! <laughs> I'll, I'll just be the straight shooting uh, no-nonsense guy. But by far, you guys, by far, the funniest thing that happened with Sokka, and fuck just with Sokka, the entire season, the funniest thing ever to happen in season two of Avatar is cactus juice. Sokka gets high, high as fuck on cactus juice and I was living for it. I just couldn't, I, I would sit there and watch Sokka high on cactus juice for hours. The, legit. the almighty mushroom. <laughs> I couldn't take it. He's just like on LSD for like half of this episode walking through the desert. And I'm like, um, is this appropriate for children? <laughs> Eat the magic mushrooms, kids. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so great. At one point, because he had stolen stuff from the giant library. And Katara's like, okay, Sokka, let me see the stuff you stole from the library. How do you know about that? I didn't steal anything. And he points at Momo, Momo. who has also drink, drank the cactus juice. So Momo is also high Hi. as fuck. Sokka, let me see the things you got from the library. What? I didn't steal anything. Who told you that? It was you. You ratted me out. First of all, I agree with you that Sokka was more of an actual well-rounded character in this season because... 
he wasn't just always on. He wasn't always like sarcastic, quippy Sokka. Like, no, for the first quarter of the season, he was genuinely like depressed and like it wasn't overt. He didn't like outright read it to the audience. I'm depressed. He would just he would sleep a lot more, I feel like, and he would just be grumpy and kind of like withdrawn a little bit. Well, yeah, like Ang tells him, he's like, yeah, I don't want to do that. And Sokka's like, okay, you're the avatar, whatever. But even when he does become more himself, it's not as much about like the quippy lines and sarcastic lines. He does have some of those for sure, but it's more just like we've established who this guy is. So the humor just comes from like him existing. But I love Sokka. Sokka's the best. So now I think we can get into the bossing say portion of the season. Yes, because <laughs> bossing say is the last Earth Kingdom that has not been conquered by the Fire Nation. So when Team Avatar does make their way into bossing say, and by the way, unknowingly to them, Zuko and Iroh, who are on the run, they are also in bossing say. So both kind of squads are in bossing say at the same time, unknowingly to each other. Because uh, it is a pretty big uh, city. Now, the first fucking thing that happens, they are greeted by this handler uh, for the kids. Because, you know, they're a bunch of kids, so they need a babysitter, right? So this bitch, Judy, comes in the room. And I'm like, bitch, are you from Get Out? Are you from us? Are you from a Jordan Peele project? I don't trust you. You're very smiley. You're very creepy. I need you to step about... 10 feet back that away and uh turns out i was correct to feel that way but we also meet funnily enough we meet another pretty major character here we meet long fang who is the uh number one advisor to the earth king he's giving off very jafar vibes he is voiced by clancy brown mr krabs of course he is so slimy and jafar (laughs) it is it's so well done you hate this guy almost from the instance you meet him. So the episode before Tales of Bossing Say, we said that something very heavy happens. And I'm going to tell you what it is. So we have this Judy bitch, right? And she is creepy as shit, as I mentioned. So the kids throughout the whole episode are trying to talk to the king. Long Fang cuts them off at the pass, right? And at the end of the episode, Long Fang is like, oh, don't worry, children. You can go back to the little apartment we set up for you and just hang out there and everything will be just fine. Judy, come take the children back to their apartment. And Judy, quote unquote, enters, right? And it's a totally different bitch (laughs) with a totally different but equally creepy fucking smile. And the kids are like, um, where's Judy? You're not you're not Judy. And she's like, I am Judy. Come, children. And I'm like, oh no, no, no. No. Hell no. 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 I refuse no. I'm gonna go somewhere else. I am not watching this anymore. We are in us. (laughs) I'm not here for it. No. Also, while this is all going on, Suko and Iroh have come into Ba Sing Se, as Frankie had said, and they run into Jet. Jet, if you don't remember from season one, he's like, oh, um, the Fire Nation did all these horrible things, which is like true enough, right? But like, he was like, oh, the Fire Nation has invaded this small city full of innocent people. So I'm going to flood the whole city to kill the Fire Nation, but also kill all the innocent people. But who cares? Because Fire Nation, bad. And it's like, no, Jet. Yeah, Jet takes everything to the extreme. When you're a Jet, you're a Jet. All the way from your first cigarette to your last dying day. Jet is a very interesting character because kind of like Zuko he does ride that line between good and bad because you know everything he's been through and all the bad stuff that he's done it's not totally his fault no it's not so it's it's hard but anyway he gets into a fight with Zuko and it leads to him getting arrested and then we fucking find out that they take people that cause like rabble rousing in the city right they take them to this underground lair called lake lao guy and they fucking hypnotize them and brainwash them and i'm like i have to go now because i cannot any longer there is no war in ba sing say and then zuko at this point has actually started to adjust to life in bossing say he went on a little date with a little chilene he's working in the tea shop 
and actually enjoying it. Yeah, he's like doing okay. And we're like, yes, Zuko, you finally let go a little bit of your obsessions and you're like living a normal life away from the horribleness that is your fucking childhood. And then he finds out that Team Avatar is in Ba Sing Se and all of that goes out the fucking window and he's like, I must find the Avatar. He eventually finds Appa chained up in Lake Laogai. And he has literally one of my favorite scenes in the whole season with Iroh. Because Iroh, throughout most of the season, he is very, like, jovial and chill. He likes his tea. And he's like, that's where he lives in his little perfect tea world of peace and harmony, right? But then he goes to find Zuko and he sees him right outside of Appa's cage. And he's like, listen... You need to be a big boy now and you need to decide what you want for your life and not worry about what your father wants or your family or this and that. What do you want to do? He even says that you are at a crossroads of your destiny. Yeah. And he like gets firm with him, which I really I just I love that scene because it's it's filled with so much love just in the voice of. Iroh going like you don't have to do this you don't have to do this shit anymore so Zuko decides that he's gonna let Appa go he just lets Appa go free and you think that like he's free like he's he's finally accepted what he wants and he's gonna make his own destiny and life is good fuck that's not true ultimately I'm mad about it but anyway back to team avatar right Team Avatar meets up with Jet, who has been released from Lake Laogai, all brainwashed and fancy free. And they fi- eventually find out that he was brainwashed, and they're like, oh shit. They're like, okay, we have to go to Lake Laogai, because that's probably where Longfang is keeping Appa. So they go down there, and it's Jet and Aang against Longfang. Fucking Fang turns Jet against Aang by, like, saying a fucking word, and then it t- turns on his conditioning or whatever, and he starts attacking Aang. Aang manages to snap him out of it, but then... <laughs> Long Fang shoots a rocket jet and crushes Jet's ribs and breaks his back. Yeah, and he's on the floor, essentially dying. Jet's like, okay, guys, just go. Go get Appa and go... I'll be fine. S- go save the world. I'll be fine. And they purposely leave it ambiguous whether Jet actually dies or not, because when Team Avatar leaves, Jet's still very badly hurt and... And it's purposely left ambiguous, I'm assuming, because Nickelodeon and or the creators of the show are like, we can't actually kill a child on Nickelodeon. (laughs) We can't actually murder a child. But apparently afterwards, at some point, the creators put it on the record that Jet did die in this scene. The kids find Appa. Finally, everything is right with the world. And they convince the king, the Earth King, that Longfang is evil. And he gets locked up in a jail cell. But, you know, behind the scenes, he's still scheming. The kids think that, you know, everything is right with the world because Longfang is locked up. And they're like, okay, we gotta split up now because we got things to do. Toph is essentially trapped by these bounty hunters that are looking for her that were hired by her family. Um, she gets locked in the steel box. Meanwhile, Sokka goes to see his dad because they find out his dad is pretty close by. Aang goes to see this guru that Appa met and got a message from Appa saying, oh, go meet this guru. He can help you access the Avatar estate. And then Katara's like, I'll stay behind with the king and help him and the army and figure out what we're going to do about this whole, you know, war situation. Not only that, but the Kyoshi warriors have shown up. Oh my god. I was so upset. Mind you, the last time we saw the Kyoshi warriors, Suki was fighting Azula. So that's the last time we saw. We don't know how that ended, but the Kyoshi warriors show up, but it's not Suki. It's fucking Azula and her two little minions dressed up like Kyoshi warriors. And I was like screaming to the TV, wait, 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 where's Suki? What happened to Suki? So all that's going on. And immediately, because, you know, this king of the Earth nation is a fucking moron, he immediately tells the fucking Kyoshi warriors, a.k.a. Azula and friends, that they're trying to defeat the Fire Nation by using the solar eclipse. So I'm like, great. The one advantage they had is now gone. Wonderful. And um, Azula, of course, because she's Azula, immediately plans a coup 
with Long Fang, but then she ends up backstabbing his ass. She takes over, she captures Katara, and she finds out that Zuko and Iroh are in the city. Right, so... Azula basically sets a trap for Iroh and Zuko to show up to the castle. Zuko's like, I'm going to fight you, but she captures Zuko and throws him in the cell with Katara. Right, and they they have a very Draco-Hermione time down there where they kind of bond, and it's like a moment. Aang is working with the guru. By the way, this sequence lasted way too long. The guru is trying to help him access the Avatar state, and it takes 20,000 bajillion years, and I was bored by the end of it, but... He's like, you must let go of all your earthly connections to people to, and learn to let go in order to open the Avatar state, blah, blah, blah. And Aang, while trying to do that, gets a signal that Katara is in trouble. So he pieces out on his training. It's like, I'm going to go save my friend. So he goes, picks up Sokka, and they go back to Ba Sing Se. Also, they run into Toph, who has broken out of the metal casing because she invents fucking metal bending. Yeah, that's also a thing. She definitely proves herself to be the best earthbender in all the land because literally she's in a steel box, has never bent metal or steel or anything before, and the, her kidnappers are like, hmm, well, you're, you may be the best earthbender, but you can't bend steel, you stupid little girl. And she's like, I'll fucking show you, you dumb bitch. And she fucking like, with, I don't know how long it took her, but it happened before they got very far because she manages to break out of the steel box inventing a whole new form of bending in a matter of like five minutes of screen time and then fucking runs back to Ba Sing Se. So the whole team avatar reunites to go rescue Katara and Zuko as well because Iroh asks them for help. So Aang and Iroh end up finding Katara and Zuko and you know happy day and all that. Aang and Katara go on their merry way but then Azula shows up and Zuko has this like penultimate moment where he is caught between Azula and Iroh. Azula's like, listen, come with me. I need you, Zuko. You can run Earth Kingdom with me. And Iroh's like, Zuko, we talked about this. <laughs> I'm like, there is no way he is going to go with Azula. After everything she's done to him, there is no fucking way. No way, Jose, nah. -uh. And I'm like watching the seed and it's still going. I'm like... She's still, he's still letting her just talk to him and like try to convince him. And Iroh's still talking to him, trying to. I'm like, he's gonna go with Azula. How is he gonna go? He's gonna go with Azula. And Scott's like, yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then Scott brought up the amazing point of like the brainwashing thing. Yeah, you figure all of Zuko's life, all he's wanted is his father to kind of love him, and. You know, he wants to impress his father. He he wants to be the prince of the Fire Nation. As much as he loves his uncle Iroh, you know, it's his father. Like, that's his father. That's what he wants. And Azula is very great at manipulating him because she knows that's what he wants. Right. So, um, eventually... They kind of push Iroh out of the way. Zuko goes with Azula after Aang and Katara. And they have this pretty epic fucking fight, the four of them. And the penultimate moment of the fight happens. And it's a fucking doozy, guys. Like, I can't I can't fault this show for fucking going all the way with it. Yeah, in they, this children's program. The evil uh, agents of Long Fang show up. And now they are completely outnumbered. Because it's just Katara and Aang. So Aang's like, fuck it. I got to go back and like give up my love for Katara, my earthly connection, to go into the Avatar state, which he does. And he goes to the Avatar state and he starts wrecking house. But then Azula, who had snuck behind him, shoots a lightning bolt into his back, nearly killing him. Yeah, literally the only way that he was saved, even like just barely, is because Katara has this like special water mixture around her neck that like is able to heal things which is crazy because like literally 10 minutes before when she was in the prison cell with Zuko she's like oh well maybe my special water can heal the scar on your face and then, and then five minutes later he's attacking her and it's like what the fuck dude like ah but anyway 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 Iroh shows up to save the day essentially he tells Katara get Aang out of here I'll hold them off as long as I can Katara goes off with Aang. 
and Team Avatar comes back together and they fly away on Appa. Azula and Zuko capture Iroh and they take their place on the throne of the Earth Kingdom and Zuko is very guilty. You can see it on his face. He feels like shit and he should. (laughs) So we mentioned before that Aang left his training for the Avatar state because he knew his friend was in trouble like Luke Skywalker did in Star Wars. Yep. As Scott brought up to me and I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> but um, also in the at the end of this final episode or the end of season two, it is so much like Empire. It like blew my mind. I was like, oh, so this is basically Star Wars now because our characters are at their lowest point. <laughs> And, uh, you know, everything seems hopeless and they are just sailing through the sky with many much despair. (laughs) And that's how we end the season. Yep. And it's like, I guess there's a moment of hope because Aang doesn't die. That's hopeful, I guess. Well, yeah. But as far as like a glimmer of hope outside of the fact that Aang isn't dead and Zuko feels bad for like putting Iroh in jail... There's really not a lot of hope here. Well, no. Suki is still missing. Aang is like half dead. Well, yeah, that's the whole thing. They do mention early in the first season that if Aang were to die in the Avatar state, which he almost did, it would end the cycle of reincarnation. So he almost just destroyed the Avatar completely. Yeah. We're in a state right now. What the fuck? Ugh. But anyway, that was season two. <laughs> that was. So, Scott, do you have like another favorite line or something that you want to bring up? Oh, no. Okay. I do have one more. During uh, when they are looking for Appa, they're like, oh, Toph, go with Sokka because you can't put up uh, flyers by yourself. Uh, so, Toph, yeah, yeah. what do you mean I can't? So, she grabs the flyer, puts it on the wall, and she goes, it's upside down, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, another blind joke. <laughs> I'll go with Sokka. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good line, too. There's a lot of good, funny moments this season. I do enjoy that about the show, that like it still does balance the drama with the, with the humor quite well. There's a pet bear. The king has a pet bear. That's what we talked about before, named Bosco. And it's just this lazy-ass, spoiled brat of a bear. At one point, the king is like, oh, well, if there was real danger, Bosco would sense it. And Bosco's literally just like laying there drooling all over the place. And like, <laughs> But if you had to pick a favorite episode, Scott, what would be your favorite and your least favorite episodes of season two? So I'm in a tie. My tie is between the Blind Bandit and Zuko alone. Blind Bandit is mainly because it's, it's mocking WrestleMania. It's wrestling. It's... The boulder's ready. The boulder will crush you. It's all good times. Uh, but Zuko alone is such a great story and a great, like, Ronin kind of Western story. They do that, too. They have a lot of Western little things here. At one point, they have, like, a Mexican standoff between Azula, Zuko, and Aang, which is really good. There's a lot of that. So they, they do such a great job combining different genres together for the show but never making it so it feels out of place. My least favorite episode? Probably this. It's probably Avatar Day. It's either Avatar Day or the one with the swamp people. Both of those are kind of just, eh. Yeah, I would agree. Those two are definitely my least favorites. They're also, I think, the lowest rated episodes of the season. Um, however, my favorite... It would either be episode six, The Blind Bandit, where Toph is introduced, or it would be City of Walls and Secrets, where that whole reveal of the Judy thing happens, where I, I, I've never, I feel like I've never reacted that strongly to a cartoon show in my life. Like, it was, it bugged me the fuck out. Like, it bugged me out. It threw me for a loop. It was a twist that I really did not see coming. Yeah, you don't like brainwashing. I literally have not seen Get Out because of the hypnotism aspect. It creeps me out. Just the idea of hypnosis and like 
brainwashing and just being out of control of your body and what you do it's like it creeps me the fuck out one time I went to go see my friend do stand-up and there was an opening act of a hypnotist like you know how they do those shows where yeah. you're like oh cluck like a chicken I like I was so uncomfortable and my friend nudged me he's like you want to go up there I'm like no are you fucking kidding me no the whole concept of that freaks me out so yeah I don't I don't subscribe to that can you dig it can you dig it? Can you dig it? I don't dig it. I don't like the implications. Think of the implications, Scott. <laughs> the implications. But um, yeah, as far as my rating for the entire series, uh, I gave season one a five out of five, and I would probably give season two a five out of five. I think the cactus juice sequence with... Sokka being high as fuck, I think that made up for anything negative. You told them! <laughs> but yeah, no, the cactus juice is great. So yeah, I've had yet another great experience with Avatar The Last Airbender, and I'm very looking forward to us watching season three, which we will be doing during this season, <gasps> during this year, in 2022, we will finish Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh. The series. Get ready. I'm excited. Uh... It's going to be a minute because we, we need time to properly prepare and watch the episodes and give our full-formed thoughts and opinions. But I think season two is a great continuation of the series. A great development, not just for the characters, but for the plot. We got definitely more deep into everything. I know that season three... We're going to finally have Zuko turn to the light side, which makes me happy. I don't want to know how quickly it happens. I just hope it happens, like, quickly. Because <laughs> I just want Zuko to be okay. And, oh, and my other prediction that I made, at one point, I think right before we watched the finale, we were watching the intro. That's what it was. We were watching the intro, you know, when they go, water, earth, fire, air. And it's like, I thought about it because I'm like, the Avatar needs to be good at all four he got air katara is teaching him water pretty much done with that toph is, was teaching him earth bending he needs to learn fire who's he gonna learn fire from who's in the fire nation that's gonna <gasps> suko's gonna teach him fire bending isn't he and she and scott's like yes so i'm like yes <laughs> okay good <laughs> so that has to happen relatively soon because like you know i imagine that fire bending isn't an easy thing to master so we have to have ang learn fire bending I feel like we talked very little about Aang in this discussion of Avatar. <laughs> well, the thing is, Aang is a fun character throughout the show. Mm -hmm. But you have Sokka, who's the wisecracking. Him and Toph are great for that. Iroh's so great at being the Pearl of Wisdom. Zuko is such an interesting character. And Katara's also got a lot of great moments. Really, the only development... I mean... He's sad because Appa's gone. He finds Appa. That's great. And then he meets with the guru and has a somewhat boring sequence well, training with the guru. The Really, the most compelling thing that comes out of the season for Aang is that he admits that he's in love with Katara. Well, he does do that, but he also... Which er is also kind of weird because he his balls have not even dropped yet. He's still the squeaky-ass voice and he's like, I love Katara. It's like, okay. Well, also... <laughs> We didn't talk about this. He does have, in the middle of the season, when Appa gets taken, we kind of get to see this rage out of him that we've not seen before. He kills a living being because he is a vegetarian. Like, he kills a, a, a vulture buzzard or whatever it's called. Oh, yeah, he does. You're, you're right, yeah. Like, he kills... And he almost kills one of those uh, fucking Tusken Raiders, one of them that takes Appa. Yeah, so, like... He has a rage that we haven't seen from him before. And he does, does have kind of like an emotional journey with Appa. And he does go through a lot of stuff there. But yeah, he's, he does revert at the end to kind of being... When Appa comes back, he's like, Appa, I love you! And he like he's, everything's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he's one of those characters that while he is a good... He's a good stable character. Everybody else is kind of changing around him, but he's kind of got his destiny to go forth and do. He also does, he, he's supposed to give up his love for Katara at the end, and he has to force himself to do that. I'm excited for season three. 
because I want more Sokka. I want Sokka to get high again, quite frankly. Zuko and Sokka have a great line in season three. We'll get to that one. Ooh, okay, exciting. I'm ready. I want to start watching it as soon as possible. Well, we will, but we have to watch movies in between that. Yes, uh, which leads us to next week. Uh, Next week, I will be introducing Scott to a very good movie, a very tear-jerky movie from what I remember. I haven't seen it in a while, but I'm excited to watch it. So until then, this has been Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our beautiful, exciting movie adventure. And make sure you drink your cactus juice eight ounces a day. My cat! Oh, forget it. Oh, no. Secret tunnel, secret tunnel, through the mountain, secret, 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 secret tunnel, yeah. Drink cactus juice. It'll quench you. Nothing's quenchier. It's the quenchiest.